When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, today Rado runs through his top 10 Essen Spiel digital games. Although, I'm actually going to give you a little bit of bonus. I'm not going to do my top 10, I'm going to do my top 25. And the reason for that is because, well, this is a top countdown of games I do every year, right around this time when Essen Spiel, the biggest, most exciting board game convention of the year, is upon us. And it's upon us, but it's very different this year, as it is digital only. Um, now, that has not stopped the organizers of Essen Spiel from trying to come up with uh, really cool and interesting events. Lots of games you can demo online digitally instead of in person in Essen, Germany, like years past. And, of course, a whole bunch of publishers have been planning all year year to release their games at this time. It's usually the biggest uh, sales event of the year. And so all of that's happening digitally. And uh, while you cannot go and pick these up in person, these should all be games you can pick up online right now. So really, this is less a top 25 uh, SN games, uh, you know, things you would get at the convention, and more top 25 really cool new hot games that I'm excited about that I would seek out right now to buy online. Right? It's kind of a little unusual, but it's been a very unusual year. And uh, I figured, what the heck, let's do 25. Although, I've really got like another 20 or 30 that I'm going to talk about in this month's uh, Rado Rambles video, which is a video for backers of my show on Patreon. So, don't worry, Ramblers, you'll be getting some even more of this, including expansions and whatnot as well. But for now, let's get started with my number 25... Venice. And the reason this one jumped out at me is because it is from a design duo, Dave Turchi, who I've talked about many times and who will be on this list again a little bit later on, and Andre Novak. And, uh, you know, Dave, I think he's kind of a hot property in game design right now. But Andre Novak, I've been a big fan of his forever. His old games, um, you know, some of which went on to inspire some very, very cool games like Teotihuacan, I always thought were very, very neat. And he's been kind of off the radar for a while. Uh, ever since he sold or you know, merged his production, his game publisher with, uh, what was it, uh, uh, oh, not Indie Board and Cards, uh, uh, Board and Dice. Uh, but anyway, um, he's back. This sounds like a very, very cool Euro-y style game that I think Jen and I would enjoy. It kind of has vibes of Yokohama, where apparently you're leaving a network of workers all over the board of Venice, and then riding around in your gondola to activate the different workers. Uh, it could be cool, mostly. It's just great to see Andre Novak doing some more good Euro-y fun. And that is why Venice comes in at my number, uh, was it number 25? Let me go on to number 24, Anno 1880, which is actually based on a hugely popular video game civilization, colonization, industrialization type game. Never played the video game, not really interested in it, but what I am interested in, this is from designer Martin Wallace. And from what I've seen, it looks like a very, very sharp card combo uh, production chain style game. And in fact, I could, or I should be able to talk to you about it a little bit more because a couple of years ago, I actually sat down with Martin Wallace with an early uh, uh, prototype of it and he walked me through it. And I remember at the time thinking, this sounds amazing. 
It's been a few years and I don't remember because since then I've played hundreds of other games, but I do remember being very, very impressed. And honestly, at this point, hasn't Martin Wallace earned the, uh, okay, he's putting out a new design, interested, let's check it out. I certainly think so, which is why um, Anno uh, 1800 is my number 24. Now we move on to number 23, the Raiders of Scythia, which actually, I guess this one came out a little bit ago, but I am never one to question the wisdom of board game Geek's head news guru, Eric Martin, who is the one who put together the preview list for all the games that are ostensibly at Essence Spiel Digital this year. So if he put it on the list, I considered it. By the way, if you want to check that list out yourself, go check out the links in the show notes. Eric works incredibly hard on these lists every year, and he wasn't going to let a little thing like no physical convention stop him. So uh, while I'm just going to be talking about 25 games now, there's going to be plenty more that you might want to look at. But anyway, back to Raiders of Scythia. Which is interesting. It's a complete and total remake of um, Raiders of the North Sea, popping the two expansions for Raiders of the North Sea all into a new rethemed, rearted up, and not insignificantly modified game. The core worker placement of place a worker, take a worker, do two actions every round is still there. We're still trying to build up raiding par- parties to go uh, get all kinds of loot. Uh, as we go further and further into enemy territory, just like Raiders of the North Sea. But this game does two wonderful things. It removes all the player versus player stuff. Yay! And it adds animals, which are a very, very cool new feature that on its own makes this game better than Raiders of the North Sea, as far as I'm concerned. Which is why it's my number 23, the Raiders of Scythia. Then we move on to 22, Twitch or Twitch and Signal. Uh, how about Switch and Signal? And I'll be honest, I don't know much about this um, because there was one thing as I was reading that immediately got my attention. This is a you know a train route building goods delivery style game we've seen. Many, 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 many games like this over the years. You know, going back to the Steams and the Age of Steams and the Railways of the Worlds and all that. So this seems to scratch that kind of thematic itch. But here's why I'm interested. Cooperative. When was the last time you saw a cooperative train game? That is very, very engaging to me. I have to admit, I'm not really that much in love with trains as a subject matter, but they always seem to be very compelling in terms of gameplay. And a cooperative one where Jen and I can work together to get all those goods where they need to go... I love the idea of that. It's I, it's not higher on my list because I don't know much about it. I was just... Just the idea of a cooperative train game was enough to get me interested in my number 22, Switch and Signal. Then we've got number 21. Um, I'm going to take my best stab at this. Uh, Tuan and... T- uh, 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 or... Tawan uh, Tinsuyu. Tawan Tinsuyu is how I'm going to pronounce that. I could be wrong. Fingers crossed they put a proper pronunciation guide in the rule book, although publishers never do. But whatever. Um, I'm interested in this one because this is the second time I'm talking about designer Dave Turchi. And um, this looks like a very big, complex, heavy Euro game uh, set in uh, you know the Incan Empire. And what's interesting about this, this is a worker placement game where when you put a worker on the board... That's it. It will never move again. And this is a board with dozens and dozens and dozens of workers, all um, you know, kind of networked together by a series of roads. And when I put a worker down and do that power, that worker is gone forever. But now, if I place workers next to that worker in the future, they can work together. 
That's a cool idea. I'm not quite sure if I actually get benefits from like placing next to my opponent's workers. I assume I do. Mostly, I'm on board for this because Dave Churchy is another designer that I will always want to check out his designs. Even if I don't like him, I generally respect them. But I love this idea of a worker placement game where you never get your workers back. And the board just keeps tightening up. That sounds cool. It's number 21. Uh, uh, to Tawanten Suyu. Maybe. Alrighty. Then we move on to number 20. Monster Expedition. Now, this is a sequel to a game that came out a few years ago called Carnival Monsters, which I've actually done a video for, and Jen and I didn't really like it. It didn't vibe with us very much. Um, we weren't actually that big a fan of the setting, and the gameplay was a little bit just didn't really... I mean, you can go watch my run-through to see why. So why would I be interested in a sequel? The original game was designed by Richard Garfield. And it was like, what if the designer of Magic the Gathering tried to make a Seven Wonders-style card-drafting game? Interesting idea. Turns out, not something Jan and I like. Although I thought it was actually very clever. Um, this one is not by Richard Garfield. It's by Alexander Pfister, who is one of my number one favorite designers these days. So Alexander Pfister is another designer that gets an auto-pass for me to check out. And uh, interestingly, unlike most Pfister games that we've had for the last few years, which are big, complex, super intricate uh, Euro-style affairs. This looks like a much lighter roll, re-roll, Yahtzee-style, push your luck, uh, and then match the dice to symbols to collect monsters so you can get their powers so you can collect more monsters kind of thing. I don't know. Honestly, I don't think it would have made my top list if it weren't for Alexander Fisher's name on it, but that's enough to um, get it in. I have fingers crossed. It'd be nice to play a Fister game that isn't something that's going to take us two plus hours and melt our brain down. So we'll see uh, how Monster Expedition sits with us. Then we move on to, uh, that was number 20. Number 19 is Hollertau, the uh, latest heavy farming simulation from designer Uwe Rosenberg. And he will keep on making these farming simulations until he finally makes the perfect one. And maybe this will be the one. Now, I have to admit, there's not much to go on here. There's not much to say. What needs to be said? Uh, this is well-worn subject matter for uh, Uwe. Let's see. Actually, I think... i got to find the description for it. I'm just going to pull that up really quick because I thought it was hilarious. Um, because there's almost nothing to it, unfortunately. And I don't really have any inside information. I have not gotten a review copy. Fingers crossed I do get one. But um, what was it? Oh, a hollow tower combines the classic worker placement mechanism with the thematic implementation of the traditional two-field crop rotation, thus offering players an interesting historical background. I'll be honest... I'm enough of an Uwe fanboy and an Uwe farming fanboy that that actually does sound pretty cool in and of itself. And that is why Hallertau makes my number 19. Uh, but it would have had to be higher. I would have needed a little bit more information. And I don't have time to read all the rules. There's too many games. But anyway, let's move on to number 18. Rajas of the Gonzi's Dice Charmers. And this is Rajas of the Gonzi's The uh, uh, Roll and Write. And that is a very cool proposition for me. I love Roll and Rights. I thought Rogers the Ganges was fantastic. I assume we must have seen other Roll and Rights from designer superstars Inca and Marcus Brand. I don't know if I've played any, but yeah, I'm on board for this. It seems like the game mostly focuses on the palace building of, of the original Rajas. 
And it also recreates that really cool scoring system where you're going both clockwise with one marker and counterclockwise with another marker, uh, going both ways around the score track, and the game is over once somebody gets their clockwise and their counterclockwise to meet up because you're doing two completely different scoring metrics. I thought that was brilliant there. I would love to see that in a fast uh, little filler game. So fingers crossed for number 18, Raja's uh, of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. Then... Then what do we got? Number 17, Mysterium Park. And folks, I have played this. And in fact, there are going to be several games as I continue on through here that I've already got. I've gotten advanced copies of, and I've played some of them you're going to be seeing videos for in the next few days. Some I've already covered, like Raiders of Scythia earlier. Um, have I actually posted that yet? I might not have posted that yet. But anyway, um, when I sat down to make this list, I had to decide, am I going to go only with games that I personally truly care about because I haven't had a chance to play them yet and I'm really excited? Or should I treat this like, oh, I haven't gotten a chance to play any of these games. So just based on what I know of them, how would they rate? And so that's why Mysterium Park, which you'll be seeing a video for maybe... I'm not sure I'm running out of time. Uh, there's just not enough to, uh, Essen time. Uh, October is always a busy month. But anyway, I have played it. Jen and I have played it, and we love it. It's so good, it might replace Mysterium for us. This is basically Mysterium Express, where one player is a ghost trying to give clues to all the other players with cool, beautiful, abstract art so that the other players who are psychics can solve the uh, what happened that led to the ghost's death you know, generations ago. And the core game is still the same, but it plays in half the time. There's a lot less rules. It's just much more simple and straightforward and elegant. And we were very, very impressed. There were some elements of Full Mysterium that I kind of miss, but in all honesty, it plays so beautifully now. And it's such a great cooperative two-player experience. Although, of course, it works up to six, like regular Mysterium, that we absolutely enjoyed it, uh, uh, you know, all up and down the street. It's my number 17 Mysterium Park. Then we go on to number 16, Kodama Forest. Now, there have actually been several Kodama games that have come out over the years doing lots of different things. Uh, you know, card laying games and, um, you know, actually 3D tree building games, all kinds of stuff. Um, roll and rights. The one, that, what's interesting about this one is we're actually developing the whole forest. I've got a grid, I've got these polyomino style pieces, you know, and I'm doing tile laying to try to make the ideal forest. Here's the deal. I've got two forests. The one to my right and the one to my left. And these are shared with my opponents. And at the end of the game, I'm working on two forests. I'm working collaboratively with other players. And the weaker one is the is my winning score. This was done to such great effect in um, oh, uh between two cities, and then later, between two castles of Mad King Ludwig. I loved it there. I hope it works great here. So I'm intrigued by the idea. Hopefully they've got a really good two-player variant that emulates a third player. And um, the other reason I'm excited is because it's co-designed by Kevin Riley, and he is the designer of the Aeon's End series of games, which are some of my favorite adventure co-op fantasy games ever. The uh, And it's really cool to see him working on something else. Now, interestingly, he's just the co-designer. If I recall correctly, the, his his other designer is Jenny Iglesias, I think was her name. And it's, I believe she's a first-time designer. Although she's also a full-time AI programmer for um, automated vehicles. That's really cool in itself when I stumbled across that. has nothing to do with anything. But I would imagine it's probably her design and Kevin is working with her. So I am all kinds of excited about uh, my number 16, Kodama Forest. Okay, then we go on to number 15, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, which is the third in the West Kingdom trilogy from designers um, Shem Phillips and uh, Sam McDonald. 
And as far as Jan and I are concerned, it's the best. The series ended on the high note. It's a really cool double rondelle system, kind of mixed with a sort of programming mini-game. And it's super-duper neat. Really great production. Absolutely adored. Number 15, Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Then we move on to number 14. Oh, Winter Kingdom. I am so excited about this. This is a sequel to Kingdom Builder, which was a uh, Spiel des Jahres winner back in the day with very well-deserved. One of the cleanest, simplest, most elegant designs I've ever seen. You just have one card. It tells you what area you can build your houses in, and you slowly build up kind of a network of houses all over the board to score points in various and sundry ways. Um, Brilliant games. Had several expansions, but now it gets a sequel where it's set in winter, hence the title Winter Kingdom, and the core game is still the same, but now, in addition to that one card you have to play that tells you where you can build, you have a bunch of other cards that let you manipulate and modify things. I was just talking to Tom Vassell about this earlier today, and he said, because he's played it, this is basically a gamer's um, uh, kingdom builder. And that sounds like perfection to me. Because, uh, yeah, I already love the original. Can't wait to see how it has changed and evolved. My number 14 Winter Kingdom. Then we go on to number 13, Trois Dice, which you will be seeing a video for. I just filmed it yesterday. It'll probably go live tomorrow. Again, I don't know why I keep saying that. Let's just talk about the game. This is Trois the Roll and Write, although not really. Um, unlike a lot of Roll and Writes, where they really kind of keep the core feeling of the gameplay, this feels very, very different. This is not a game where players are buying dice from each other or all that. You know, thematically it's the same. We're trying to maintain and develop the city of Troyes, the medieval French city of Troyes, and we're focusing on the civic and the um, the royalty and the religious needs of the city, and every round there's going to be new events that hit the city and kind of break us down, but um, that's all thematic. In terms of gameplay, this is radically different. The core idea being that four dice are rolled every round, one One of them is a bad die that hits us in various ways. The other three, everybody gets to pick one because this is a bingo-style game. And then whichever die you choose, you can use it in one of three different ways. So it's a multi-use dice game, which is very, very cool. It has great components. It plays really fast. And it's got really surprising hidden depths. Jen and I were super impressed by it. Um, And again, you'll see my video for it very soon. My number 13, Trois Dice. Then, then, then we go on to number 12, another roll and write Pandoria Merchants, which could have also been called Pandoria the Rolling Right. And now, Pandoria was a brilliant tile layer, um, all about building up this fantasy kingdom, harvesting resources to build buildings to get more powers or cast spells, and all, all you know, really good stuff. But the original game was also incredibly cutthroat. So much so that, it, I mean, as much as Jen and I were impressed by it, we just couldn't keep it. Um, so, cut to a couple years later, Pandoria Merchant comes out, and um, unlike Trois, which pretty much is only like Trois Dice, which is only thematically, but it's a completely different game gameplay-wise, Pandoria Merchants is very much the the gameplay of Pandoria, the tile laying and the uh, you know claiming territory to harvest and all that just brought down into dice form because in the original we had these domino tiles that we had and we placed and we kind of made the patchwork landscape. Now we roll two dice and create those dominoes as we go. But uh, the reason I'm in love with this is because it's just as good as Pandoria was. It's surprisingly heavy and crunchy. Maybe one of the heaviest, crunchiest roll and writes there is on the market. But 
all of the cutthroatedness, all of me trying to kill your workers and ruin your chances to harvest, that has all been removed. Once I've got a worker on the board, he's not going anywhere. They're permanent. I wish, with the benefit of hindsight, that's the way Pandoria had been. But we've got Pandoria Merchants now, which is phenomenal. Uh, actually, I just finished filming a game of it. You'll be seeing that video very, very soon. It's my number 12 on the countdown list. Pandoria Merchants. Then we move on to one I'm very excited about, number 11, Boomerang. Europe or Boomerang USA. There's two different versions of it coming out. And honestly, it's the Europe one that gets me excited. Now, I already covered Boomerang years ago. Uh, it's first edition. Uh, it's, it's basically all about doing travel planning via card drafting. Seven Wonders Sushi Go style card drafting where there's all these different places I want to go. The original Boomerang was set in Australia, hence the name. But now it's set in Europe or USA as well. And there's all these different great places I would love to go. But each card has a lot of different stats. And when you claim it, you claim it um, based on one of several different ways you could score. But the interesting thing is, as you take these cards, you don't just put them in a tableau like other um, uh, you know, card drafting games. You use them to write down your progress of your trip throughout Europe or the USA or whatever. And so, it is a draft and write which is awesome. The original Boomerang was awesome. Go watch my run-through of it. Uh, I suspect Europe and USA will be equally, if not more, awesome because they probably built on the original ideas and done more stuff. It certainly looks a lot nicer. It's gotten a really uh, much higher per, uh, quality pre presentation. And I'll be honest, the reason this rate's so high... I mean, I love the original gameplay. The gameplay was great. But the reason it comes in at number 11 is because Jen and I, you know, we've been back in the U.S. for two years now and we really miss living in Europe. We really do. So it's on a very personal level that just because I expect this is going to trigger waves of nostalgia and warm fuzzies for me and Jen, I cannot wait to play my number 11, Boomerang Europe. Then we get to the top 10, folks, starting with Paleo. And here's why I'm very excited about this. This is from publisher Hans and Gluck, which who always produce excellent, crunchy, thinky, um, very smartly designed Euro-style games. That's what they're known for. Every year they put out one or two, and you know sometimes they go on to be really big Super Smash hits. Sometimes they're, you know, they get really respectable reviews, but they just don't catch fire, but everybody agrees, yeah, that was a really good game. What happened to it? So, Hans and Gluck can always be relied upon to make really solid Euro-style designs. Here's what makes Paleo different. This is their big game of the year. It's cooperative. And this is the first time they have ever done that. I would be in just based on the idea of getting to play a cooperative prehistory Stone Age era game. Rather than because they always are competitive. And I would much rather, I mean, the dawn of humanity should be about how we came together as a species and rose above our humble beginnings. As opposed to, oh, how can we just beat each other down? Yeah, I know that's always part of the human animal too, but I'm so much more excited thematically about cooperating in prehistory. But then for Hans and Gluck to make their first cooperative game ever, that means they must really believe in it because it's so counter to what they normally do. Makes me very, very excited, which is why it's my number 10, uh, Paleo. All right. Number nine is Cafe, which I covered a couple months ago. I guess it's uh, getting a wider distribution now. I'm not quite sure. It's from Pythagorius, and they actually have several really good games that are coming out right about now. But Cafe was my favorite of all of them. It is a uh, card patchwork game like Honshu or um, Patch History or Hanging Gardens or um, Sprawlopolis or Circle the Wagons. Or you know, I mean, there's so many of these games out there now. Vidoran Gardens, um, you know. Uh, uh, 
Oh, uh, Squire for Hire and uh, Carson City, the, the card game. I love these style games where you have a bunch of cards that are grids that have different icons and you play them down, laying them partially on top of each other, slipping them together to try to make interesting tableaus. It's always a cool mechanism. I always enjoy it. What makes Cafe different than all of them is most of the time you're just building this tableau of cards, patching them all together to basically make patterns, get certain icons next to other icons to score points. In this game, you're doing it to make an actual production engine. Because every round, you have the opportunity to build this engine that you've gotten together by patching all these cards together to generate coffee and sell it at uh, cafes in Portugal, if I recall correctly. Famous real-world cafes. It is brilliant. It totally flips the script on um, a genre of gameplay that I already really love, Jen. I were really blown away by it. Great production. My number nine of this uh, Essence Spiel digital countdown, Cafe. Then we go on to number eight, Calico. Calico, right now, I have played it. I played it last year, or maybe it was two years ago when it was on Kickstarter. I covered it in, in prototype form, and Jen and I were blown away by it. I've gotten a uh, Kickstarter copy. Jen and I played it again. We continue to be blown away by it. I think it is finally becoming available in retail channels now. I suspect everybody will be blown away by it. This is... On the surface, a really simple, charming little abstract tile end game where we're trying to make quilts. And um, we're trying to make certain patterns match in certain ways to make kittens happy to score points. It's, it's so twee. But do not be fooled. This looks like a very simple, lightweight, family-style gateway game. It is not. It is incredibly crunchy. Um, with the tile drafting to try to get the right ones, pushing your luck to, get the, uh, to be able to make the patterns you need to, it is brilliant. One of the best games of the year. Right now, of all the games I've played for 2020 that I have ranked, it's my number two highest-ranked game. Now, I suspect some of the games on this very list, one I actually get a chance to play them, might become higher than Calico, but I would be shocked if Calico doesn't make it into my top ten best games of the year. And it's currently my number eight most anticipated game. Because, again, I was basing this not on what I know of these games, because then I would leave a lot of games off. I was basing them on what I would think about these games if I hadn't played them. And I was just judging them based on what I was able to read or see in other people's videos, etc., etc. Um, and um, I put this so high because there's some crazy guy out there who does run-through videos that can't stop talking about how one of the best games in years. Uh, my number eight on the list is Calico. Then we go on to number seven. Uh, Praga Kaput Regni, which I believe is Latin for... Um, uh, Prague, the capital of the kingdom, or something like that. Something like that. Um, and this is a game from Vladimir Suchi uh, and his new publishing venture, Delicious Games. A couple of years ago, they gave us Underwater Cities, and you've probably all heard of that. You probably know how amazing Underwater Cities is. This is his next big, crunchy, heavy Euro-style game. Not quite as heavy as Underwater Cities. Um, you know, I, I think I would put it in the same realm as, uh, you know, certainly heavier than what else has he done? Uh, Last Will. Probably in a pulsar, probably heavier than pulsar twenty eight forty nine, but still, all that aside, it's brilliant. Jen and I have already played it. Uh, we enjoyed it so much. I'm thinking this coming Saturday, uh, which is day three of Essence Field Digital, Jen and I are probably going to be doing a live play of this. If you want to not miss that, go to live.rado.com and be sure to mark so that you'll get notified when it's. Um, starting this Saturday, I'm pretty sure that's the one we're going to play. Unless something shows up in the next couple of days, like, I don't know, Paleo or something like that. Because uh, um, it, it might be what we play. But long story short, 
It's awesome. Vladimir Suchi continues to prove he is one of the best Euro worker designers working today. It's all about rebuilding medi- or building up medieval Prague. And um, it's got a very, very cool action selection system. Uh, it has to do with a rotating dial. Kind of similar, but still very, very different from Zolk and the Mind Calendar. Amazing game, Jen. I absolutely adored it uh, when we first played it. Uh, my number seven, Praga Kaput Regni. Then, then, folks, we go on to number six, Fresco, card and dice games. Or the card and dice game. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've been waiting for this for years, but I'm not quite sure. Because for years now, uh, Publisher Queen has been teasing a Fresco the card game and a Fresco the dice game every year. Uh, they keep saying, yep, this is going to be the year. And then every year it doesn't keep coming out. A few years ago, I actually cornered one of the high-level Queen folks. And there aren't very many of them. I mean, Queen is like a company of like eight or nine people or something like that. And I uh, cornered their, uh, their, um, their president. I said... Dude, why do you keep teasing me every year? Fresco is one of Jen's top 10 games of all time. It's one of my favorites too. Where is the dice game? Where is the card game? And he said, oh, people are still wanting that? And I'm like, yes! Well, maybe we should get back to work on that. And cut to a few years later, and now they release news about the card and dice game. I don't know what this means. Did they meld the two games together? I don't know, but we love Fresco so much. And so a fast, streamlined, uh, quick, fillery style game, which is what I'm assuming this is going to be, that you know, scratches that Fresco itch, is a must-have. Which is why it's my number six. Fresco, the card and dice game. Then we have number five, also from Queen Games, Escape, uh, The Curse of the Temple, the Roll and Write game. And it's funny, I was just talking to um, Tom Vassell earlier today about this one as well. And he was like, really? You're excited? I mean, haven't you played enough Escape in your life? And, I'm, uh, and uh, to be honest, we have played a lot of Escape. Escape's one of probably our most played games in terms of number of sessions. Because there was a time when Jen was so epically in love with that game and just would uh, play it all times, day or night. But, you know, over time... We still love it. We still have it. A lot of expansions came out for it. But, you know, we have to move on to other games. So I'm so excited about a roll and write. Something that um, would probably resolve my number one issue with Escape, which is it's a 10-minute game that takes 15 minutes to set up. Um, because there's all the different tiles you have to mix and match once you have a lot of expansion content like we do. Uh, a roll, a Escape that we can just sit down and play really quick and easy and just, oh man... Uh, you know, an, an escape that only takes 12 minutes, 2 minutes to set up, and then 10 minutes to play? Yes! Yes! Number 5. Escape, uh, The Curse of the Temple, The Roll and Write. But let's move on to number 4. Bonfire. Uh, this is one of two big box Stefan Feld games that are coming out this year. It's a good year to be a Feld fan. I'm very excited about this. I'll be honest, I have not really looked into it at all. Apparently it's all about lighting bonfires so the lost members of your tribe can find their way home. And how do you do that? No doubt through really complex, intricate, interconnected uh, mechanisms that you have to try to uh, manage and get to weave into solutions to all kinds of crazy puzzly goodness that Feld is known for. So I'm excited about it. I'm a little nervous because I think it was Man vs. Meeple. They've got a copy. I have not gotten a copy yet. So hope, supposedly I'll get one in November. Fingers crossed. Um, but they got an early copy and they mentioned in passing that it's very cutthroat. And Felt has been cutthroat in the past. Speakerstot is mad cutthroat. And Bora Bora, I think, is, is can be a very cutthroat game too. So I'm a little worried about Bonfire, which is why it comes in at my number four. Um, and then we cut to my number three, The Castles of Tuscany, which is basically a sequel to The Castles of Burgundy, which is my number one highest-ranked Steffenfeld games of all time. Castle of Burgundy is in my top ten games of all time. And as I understand it, this takes some of the ideas of Burgundy, but again... 
simplifies it and streamlines it and makes a different style game that has more of the feel? I don't know, because once again, I don't have a review copy of it. I'd probably be the last person in the universe to cover this, because it seems like every other channel out there has, except for me. But I'm hoping um, someday it will show up at my door, and Jen and I can play it, and I can film it for you. Um, but... I like the idea of something that evokes the feel of Burgundy while doing new and interesting and different stuff. As I all, I'm, I'm a cult of the new guy, I'll admit it. But hopefully that plays a bit quicker. Because if I have one complaint about Tuscany, as many times as we played it, man, that's a long game. That's a long, long game. And I would love a shorter, quicker Tuscany series. Of course, I've already got Tuscany the uh, dice game and there's Tuscany the card game. But I want something new and I'm excited. It's why it's my number three, The Castles of Tuscany. Then we've got number two, Cloud Age. Um, uh, this uh, Earlier, I mentioned Alexander Pfister. Pfister is back. And this looks like, um, unlike, what was it? The Monster something or other. Oh, what was it? What was the other one? It was Monster Expedition, which as I understand is a fairly light, push-your-luck, Yahtzee, roll-and-write style game. This is probably going to be more in his heavy line, like your Maracaibos and your uh, Blackout Hong Kongs and your Great Western Trails and all that. That real Fister goodness, that sweet, sweet Fister sauce that I want so badly, especially because a big part of the description of it, and this game is uh, set in some kind of... Uh, I don't know, post-apocalypse, the earth is is barren, and uh, humanity has taken to the sky to try to find a way to move forward flying around in Zeppelin. So it's not exactly steampunk. Um, it's just that I, I guess we can't live on the ground anymore, and we can't fly around in planes. We need to stay afloat somehow. Balloons make sense. So um, I, I, I'm intrigued by the subject matter, but I'm mostly here for the Fister, and also because... Almost half of the description of this on BoardGameGeek is devoted to how it's pushing narrative forward in Euros. And that's that sweet Fister sauce I'm talking about. I cannot wait. It is my number two most anticipated game. It's, it's my number one most anticipated game of the rest of the year. But it's my number two on this list for Essence Feel because there's one more, folks. My number one that if I hadn't gotten in my hands on any of these games, uh, this would be at the top of the list. I would break down any door necessary to get to it. It's Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, which is fantastic. Um, it is the end of the trilogy uh, by doing prequels, and this is an excellent prequel that basically sets the stage that everything that comes later in Pandemic One, Season One, and Pandemic Legacy Season Two, and Jen and I loved it to bits, all of the bits. Um, it's not my favorite of the three. I think still the first one is the best. My problems with it. I mean, actually, it's about to come out. I need to do a final thoughts. Jedi, we already played this for you months ago. I did get an early copy, and we did a live playthrough. Again, go to live.rotto.com, and you can see a list of all the live videos that Jen and I have done over the years. And a few months ago, there was a pandemic. We did it spoiler-free, so you can see the prelude, so you can get an idea of how it plays, because it takes the ideas of pandemic mechanisms, but does a lot of cool stuff to transplant them into um, the world circa 1950-something, I forget get now. Or no, it's 1961 at the height of the Cold War, and we are spies jet-setting around the world um, trying to stop Soviet plots rather than trying to stop the spread of disease. And it's excellent. Our complaint was it was too easy. Too easy. I'll talk more about that in the final thoughts, but in spite of that, we are so happy we play it. We'd play all the way through it again right now if I had another copy, because it was just phenomenal. An excellent, 
excellent capper to a uh, an excellent series of games. And for folks who are interested, officially it does not support ongoing play, but within the next by the end of the month, hopefully, I will have put up a video showing how, even after you finish the whole campaign, with a couple of tiny, tiny, simple little tweaks that have been approved unofficially by Matt Leacock, because I talked to him in email about it, um, can turn this into an evergreen eternal game so you don't have to worry about throwing it away once you're done. And, oh my gosh, folks, that is it. That is the uh, Essen Spiel 2020 digital uh, countdown. And uh, I think I think that's it. And hopefully this was of some use to you. If you would like to hear more and you're a backer of the show, hold on. You will soon be getting a notice about my ramble where I'll talk about... I think I, I, have, I, think I had like 54 total games. And then plus on top of that, I think I had like another 10 or so expansions to talk about. So we'll get onto those in the ramble that I might film today, but I'm kind of tired, so I might film that tomorrow. It's neither here nor there because either way... Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, bye bye.